Katie Barnes, this Caribbean reporting trip you went on in November sounds like a pretty nice work assignment there. Uh, Yeah, you know, nobody was crying for me that week. That's definitely for sure. So this is allegedly, air quotes, a reporting trip, air quotes. I'm kidding. Set the scene, though, for us, please. What was the circumstance? So it was the week of Thanksgiving. And as has become typical in college basketball over Thanksgiving week, There are a bunch of tournaments in very nice tropical locations. And I was sent to follow the LSU women's basketball team um, in the Cayman Islands on a bit of a wild goose chase, trying to answer the question at the time of where was Angel Reese? Because at the time, we didn't really know. What we knew was that Angel Reese did not go to the Cayman Islands with LSU. And we knew that they were playing games and we didn't know why she wasn't there. Um, And then we also later found out that Katiri Poole was not with the team either. Um, And there's a lot of mystery. What I saw on the court was a team trying to find out who they were. Also a team navigating the intense amount of scrutiny that they were facing in this moment. At the hotel where a lot of the teams were staying, I saw plenty of other players. I saw plenty of other teams. I actually saw Gina Oriema reading on the beach. Um, What I didn't see was a whole lot of LSU, except when they were walking through the lobby or there was one occasion where they were all on the beach together. Um, They seemed to be doing their own thing, kind of ducking, staying out of sight, as they were trying to figure out how they were going to move forward as a program. Why do you think that identity crisis existed at all? LSU, in this unprecedented moment in women's basketball history, has an unprecedented number of personalities and fame associated with the program. And a lot of that is, yes, Angel Reese and Flage Johnson, and also Anisa Morrow and Haley Van Lith. They have so many big names who have large followings in and outside of basketball. And that scrutiny just brings so much attention. Like, there was literally a reporter watching to see who got off the plane when they landed in Grand Cayman. That is something that we have not seen in women's basketball. Um, Even as, of course, there are other big names, such as Caitlin Clark in Iowa, Paige Beckers in UConn, etc., Juju Watkins in USC, right? There are so many characters in women's basketball driving attention, but LSU has this concentration of them in a way that we haven't seen before. Um, And with that comes attention, both from within the basketball world and outside of it. And I think if you are on an island trying to literally escape the burning bright lights, uh, perhaps you're not really interested in a reporter catching you in the lobby. You can run, but you can't hide. After a surprising run to the title last season, the spotlight is still on this LSU women's basketball team as they prepare to face off against number one ranked South Carolina on Thursday. So today, ESPN feature writer Katie Barnes is here to preview one of the best matchups of the season. Plus, a look at the lingering mystery of the Bayou Barbies four-game absence and how Kim Mulkey's squad has worked to put it all behind them. 
I'm Clinton Yates. It's Tuesday, January 23rd. This is ESPN Daily. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you people wait until the last minute. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first one or for your fashionista mom who likes to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate with them both. You can shop by price anywhere from 25 bucks and under to, say, 100 bucks and below. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything, or even pre-wrapped gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th, and it'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash giftfinder today. That's Macy's.com slash giftfinder. Let's start back at the beginning of this season. Set the scene for who this team was coming into a new season after winning the 2023 NCAA Division I Women's Basketball Championship game. So LSU was a bit of a surprising champion last season. Um, and with that surprise and the attention and huge ratings came just a lot of attention on Baton Rouge. Um, and so we saw the LSU players kind of everywhere over the summer. I did a lot this summer. I mean, my agent was telling me where to go and do things. So it was fun. It was a happy little little role. How did you prioritize your sleep and schedule? <laughs> oh my God, I didn't get my sleep. Too. I didn't get my sleep. In particular, Angel Reese, uh, who was in the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue. She was in a Cardi B video. Uh, she was everywhere, um, as well as Flaugé Johnson, um, who's also active in the music scene and has a large social following. So there was just this buzz around LSU that carried through the summer, and that only intensified when they landed two huge transfers, and Haley Van Lith, who transferred from Louisville, and then Anissa Morrow, who transferred from DePaul. And with their arrival came even more attention and bigger personalities, because uh, you know they had their own followings, their own personalities before they even got to Baton Rouge. And so there was a lot of anticipation um, heading into the season. And they started the season ranked number one because in many people's eyes, they got better in the offseason and they were the reigning champs. And so they opened with their first game of the season against Colorado in Las Vegas on a neutral court and they lose. I mean, what else can you say? Again, comes up with the loose ball, Sherrod. And they can sense it, they can feel it. And now, the sigh of relief as Las Vegas has turned into the city of upsets. As now Colorado takes down the defending champs for their season opener. There are always questions about how they were going to mesh all these big personalities, these, these different playing styles together. That first game, it looked like it might have been a little bit harder than what people thought it would be. So this is a team that, as you said, has garnered an unprecedented amount of media attention. How did they find themselves back in the center of it, specifically on November 14th? 
So after halftime um, against Kent State, which is the game they were playing that day, Angel Reese did not play and she wasn't on the bench. And then she didn't play the next game and she didn't play the game after that. And then she didn't go to the Cayman Islands. And when I say she didn't play, I mean, she wasn't in the building. Like nobody had seen her. People didn't know where she was. And there was not a specific reason given for her absence. Um, and this is all happening in, on one of the top 10 uh, teams in the country uh, who had only lost one game at that particular time. And so we didn't know if Angel Reese was suspended. We didn't know if she broke a team rule. We didn't know when she was going to play again. And there was an immediate sort of no comment from Coach Kim Mulkey. Could, could you expand a little bit more on why Poole didn't play and why Reese didn't play in the second half? Yeah, I could, but I won't. Just a coach's decision. And that continued in terms of a lack of detail around the nature of Reese's absence, which brewed a ton of speculation in terms of why Angel was gone, uh, when she would be returning, and if she would be returning. Um, And because there just, when there's a vacuum, people fill it. And there's a ton of speculation happening on social media. There's some speculation happening within the media around the nature of her absence. And that kind of snowballed throughout each subsequent game. Because each subsequent game, Kim Mulkey would be asked, where is Angel Reese? And when would she would be returning? And she would routinely respond with another version of a no comment or I'm not going to answer that. It's very obvious Angel is not in uniform. Angel is a part of this basketball team, and we hope we see her sooner than later. There were moments where she gave clues and hints into what perhaps had happened, but never definitively stated, this was an event, this is how I handled it, she will be back on this day. Um, And so she did refer to things like discipline. Uh, She did talk about locker room issues. You always have to deal with locker room issues. That's just part of coaching. In 40 years, I can never think of a time where I didn't have to deal with issues. That's what coaches do. Sometimes y'all know about them and sometimes you don't. Sometimes you want to know more than you're entitled to know. I'm going to protect my players, always. They are more important. It's like a family, Scott. Let me ask you this. If you do some discipline of your own children, do you think we're entitled to know that? That's a family in that locker room. She didn't elaborate um, or give very much detail uh, during that period of time. And that just, I think, fueled a lot of the fire, uh, both from fans and media. That's it. That's all y'all need to know. Okay? Well, we've all seen and heard plenty of commentary critical of the statements that Mulkey made throughout Angel's absence. The sentiment was that, intentional or not, Mulkey was kind of implying that Angel had done something wrong. In other words, she did Angel zero favors. How would you assess how Kim Mulkey handled this? You know, that's a really tough question. You know, we've been talking about how unprecedented the attention that LSU is receiving uh, has been. When you look at the social media numbers of Angel Reese compared to her peers, she dwarfs them. 
She has 2.6 million Instagram followers and an additional 2.6 million TikTok followers. Mm. Paige Beckers has 1 million on Instagram and then 684,000 on TikTok. And Caitlin Clark has 800,000 Instagram followers and no discernible TikTok presence. So like we're talking orders of magnitude difference in level of attention and fame that Angel Reese experiences off of the basketball court than her peers on the basketball court. And that's not to say that one is better or the other. It's just to underscore how unprecedented this level of attention that she gets is. And so in Kim Mulkey's shoes, I don't know that there was any winning in terms of how she could have addressed the situation or not. I think in general, the criticism has been she could have said more, but she was consistent in saying that she was what she was trying to do was protect the sanctity of her locker room in terms of what happens in that locker room is private, is a sacred space. She said that publicly, and she's not going to share that, uh, no matter how much the media wanted it or the fans wanted it. And I think there was a craving of information specifically because it was Angel and she just commands attention in a way that we've never seen before. But I don't know that if Kim Mulkey had said more, that that would have been to a positive effect for her program or for Angel in either the short or the long term. So without their star player and Kateri Poole, it would seem that LSU would struggle through the early part of the schedule. How badly did this go and what happened? So I think struggle is a little strong in that they didn't lose a game during the four games that Angel did not play. Um, and of course, with Kateri Poole, we were later informed that uh, they would not be returning to the team. Um, and no additional detail has been given about that situation in terms of why they are not playing for LSU moving forward. Um, but in the middle of all of this, uh, sophomore Samaya Smith went down with a season-ending knee injury. Um, and this happened in the Cayman Islands. And so they were already lean in the front court without Angel. And suddenly LSU was really struggling in terms of uh, the depth at the front court position. And so freshman Aaliyah Del Rosario got some critical minutes uh, in the Cayman Islands. But also you saw this team start to adjust without these presences and it gave opportunities for others to emerge. And that's when you know LSU really saw Anissa Morrow step up and really be a commanding presence on the floor from both the scoring and rebounding perspective that they expected her to be when she initially transferred to LSU. And so... In general, you know, during that window, you know, LSU was sort of fine. Like they struggled, they found themselves into in a tough game against Virginia, who's unranked, and that was a little bit surprising. But without the depth that they were expecting to have in the front court, you know, that was a bit of a challenge for them. But they escaped with a win on the back of Morrow uh, and have had largely kept it moving uh, and kept it rolling as soon as they got Angel Reese back. So then, as quickly as everything had shifted into what felt like pandemonium, Angel returned. Was it just okay again? Or how did that manifest in terms of the squad? You know, it seems like it's just all kumbaya. I don't know what happened. Um, none of us really know what happened, but it seems like everything was fine. Angel, last year at the Final Four, I remember you saying, you need a Kim Mulkey in your life. Do you still feel that way today, and why or why not? I'm going to say that today, tomorrow, next year, to the day I die, and that's just how I feel, and I'm at LSU because of Kim Mulkey, and that's, that's how I feel. Um, Angel, 
How did it feel to be back on the floor? It felt great. I mean, it was a long two weeks, well, week and a half, two weeks, to be away from the team. Um, taking time to yourself is uh, really important. I feel like that's just something that was important and resetting and refocusing within the team. I'm just happy to be back. And th this place was amazing tonight, and I'm just happy to be here with them. Yeah, Angel's first game back was against Virginia Tech, and it was a top 10 matchup in Baton Rouge. They ended up beating Virginia Tech uh, pretty convincingly, and it was uh, Kim Mulkey's 700th win. You know, she and Angel were hugging. Angel was interacting with her teammates in supportive and encouraging ways. There's no discernible tension among the team, and I thought that was really interesting. It seems like everything is just fine. It's almost like it didn't happen which is very strange because for about two weeks, it seemed like it was the only thing happening in the world. And yet, as intense and as white hot as that fire was burning in November, it's almost like it just didn't exist in the first place. Wow. From a strict basketball standpoint, however, how has the team been playing since Reese's return? Pretty well. You know, there are clear challenges uh, in terms of depth. Um, the loss of Katiri Poole and of Samaya Smith is felt in that it's pretty common for Mulkey to only go six deep, um, maybe seven, uh, if uh, freshman Aaliyah Del Rosario is getting minutes. But she doesn't have a deep bench this year, um, at least so far. And that could change over time. But in general, the team has played pretty well, although the last couple of weeks have been a bit rocky in that they dropped a game against Auburn um, and were tested early against Alabama. How did this team react to those particular challenges up against Auburn and Alabama? You know, with Auburn, they met a physical team that shut them down on the perimeter. Uh, Reese had a good game, but they really struggled on the perimeter in terms of getting their guards good looks and having those guards hit those looks. And even though it was a low-scoring game, which is what Mulkey has been harping, she wants more out out of this team defensively. She's not concerned about their scoring because they lead the country in scoring, but they don't lead the, the country in defense, and that is something that she would like them to do. Even though it was more of a low-scoring game and you expect LSU to be able to outpace a, a team like Auburn in that situation, they weren't able to do it. But then in the following game, when they found themselves on the ropes against Alabama, trailing by one at the half, they came out and went on a 15-3 run to start the third quarter and ended up winning the game by 20. You can see another strong third quarter performance for LSU. They make the right adjustments in the locker room at halftime, and they add to their lead. They responded uh, to Alabama's physicality um, and to that initial challenge in a way that I think Mulkey wanted them to. Kim Mulkey's message to yeah, you guys. What happens in the locker room at halftime? Because things change in the third quarter. We had a come to Jesus meeting, and it's something that you need. I mean, we knew what it looked like after that Auburn game, and we didn't want to feel that again. Um, just understanding what it takes to win, and everybody understanding their role, and I think everybody dived in and dealt with their role tonight. Even if they weren't good offensively, they were really good defensively, and that was good for us tonight. Coming up. A look at how much coming to Jesus the Tigers will need to do to beat South Carolina on Thursday. Delicious meat nutritious. 
in the snack that packs a real protein punch, Wonderful Pistachios, one of the highest protein nuts out there. Each one-ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Trust me, I've been eating them like there's no tomorrow all week. Wonderful Pistachios also come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with your family and friends or taking them with you on the go. And you, like me, are on the go a lot taking the kids to school, hopping from meeting to meeting, shopping for groceries, whatever it may be. Well, the good news is not only are Wonderful Pistachios a complete protein providing all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snack game today. Visit WonderfulPistachios.com to learn more. The NFL schedule drops this week, kiddos, and you can be there to catch all the action live and in person with Vivid Seats. Experience every touchdown, every tackle, and every eye-popping play of your favorite team. And to kick it off, Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code DAILY. That's code DAILY. Download the app or visit VividSeats.com today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. On Thursday, LSU will face off against the number one ranked South Carolina Gamecocks. This will undoubtedly be their toughest matchup of the season thus far. What excites you about it, Katie? I mean, what's not to get excited about when it comes to good basketball? I'm amped. You have an undefeated, top-ranked South Carolina team going into Baton Rouge. Watkins just stole it away. Falling it down. Ashlyn Watkins get it on a Monday. Against an LSU team that is coming off of a recent loss who's looking for a signature win. This is with the left hand. Reese is there in traffic and manages to put it back in. From a narrative perspective, you can't ask for anything better. Um, And from a basketball perspective, it's going to be a lot of fun. I expect a relatively high-scoring game, um, but that could just as easily end up being a defensive struggle between two coaches who really prioritize defense. And South Carolina is the best defensive team in the country um, to go along with one of the top offenses in the country. So it's going to be a lot of fun just to see these two heavyweights square off in a conference game. We've gone in deep on LSU, but this South Carolina team that you mentioned, they were an absolute machine last year. They fell 77-73 to Caitlin Clark and the Hawkeyes in their Final Four matchup, and they ended up losing some key contributors in the offseason. How did they find themselves back atop the rankings? The losses that South Carolina experienced in terms of their graduating senior class cannot be overstated. That class, uh, which lovingly was referred to as the Freshies um, by uh, Gamecock fans, um, as well as within the South Carolina program, uh, included Aaliyah Boston, who is the number one pick in the WNBA draft, alongside some other fantastic talent, Cy Cook, Brie Beal, um, Victoria Saxon. They all were drafted in the WNBA. And for South Carolina to respond to such a loss with being undefeated and the top ranked team in the country with a high-octane offense and a suffocating defense is wild. It's an incredible testament to 
Dawn Staley in terms of what she has done at that program um, when it comes to consistency and excellence. But they've been able to do it with a mixture of a highly ranked and touted recruiting class um, paired with uh, an awesome transfer that they landed in Tahina Pow Pow, um, which has really expanded their perimeter threat. Um, they are shooting the three-point ball at a you know the best ever, I think, under Tom Staley, um, which was uh, something that they had struggled to do in the last couple of years consistently. And so it's really stretched what South Carolina can do offensively while still maintaining that core character of their defensive presence. Yeah, Staley and Mulkey are so different in terms of how they do pretty much everything. How would you compare and contrast the way these two approach running their programs, not just as a journalist, but I would also say as a fan of the game? You know, it's really interesting. Having spent a decent amount of time around both of these programs, I would actually say, and this could be an unpopular opinion, but before everybody starts throwing their popcorn, just hear me out. Mm. I actually think that Staley and Mulkey are more similar than people would initially think. And what I mean by that is though... um, Outwardly, they express themselves differently. They are both highly expressive coaches. You know, Mulkey has a big personality and she allows her players to also have big personalities. Um, Staley is different in that she also has a big personality, but is different in how that manifests. And her team also then is different in how they manifest their personalities as well. Um, but they're also both really prioritize defense and love their defense. And, you know, they're coaches who believe in tough love. The players that play for them love them, and they are hard on them. Um, And I think that is really interesting, having been around both of them for a decent amount of time. You know, I actually see more similarities than I expected to. Okay, fair enough. I'll take that. You are the expert. But Thursday (laughs) night specifically, what will be the potential keys to victory for both of these squads? Oh, I mean... Sometimes it's just really simple. You know, who can put the ball in the basket more? And that may come at lesser of a clip than both of these teams are used to. Um, but for South Carolina, if they can own the perimeter, um, that's going to be huge for them, knocking down those threes. For LSU, they have to answer a lot of those same questions. They got into trouble against Auburn when they couldn't create on the perimeter. And given South Carolina's size with Camila Cardozo in the middle, you know, she towers over Angel Reese and Nisa Morrow. And so if Reese and Morrow can't create in the paint in the way that they have become accustomed to, there's going to need to be an answer on the outside for LSU. We'll see if that will happen because as I expect, Don Staley is going to come with some suffocating pressure. And so how these coaches um, adjust to and play this chess match will be really interesting. But to me, those are the big things. These are certainly two of the teams that we expect to make deep runs in the tournament. What will this game tell us, in your opinion, about what we can expect come March? I think it's going to feel like March. And that is really exciting. Being in Baton Rouge and getting that tournament-like atmosphere where it's going to be loud, it's going to be tense. And you know, it's not that you know these teams don't find themselves in close games in other moments, but when you know that you're entering into an environment and you're going to play an elite opponent and it's win or go home, like that kind of tense environment is 
really hard to replicate um, in terms of getting dealing with those nerves and that adrenaline. And this game, I think, is going to tell us a lot about how each of these teams at this moment in the season are prepared for what will come in March. Katie Barnes, I'm sorry you didn't get to stay in the Cayman Islands, but we're glad you got to hang with us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. That was awesome. I'm Clinton Yates. This has been ESPN Daily. We'll talk to you tomorrow, kiddos.